We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and we are 18 days away from 2022 opening day, as this is March 21st, 2022. The Chicago White Sox regulars are now getting playing time in spring training, although they haven't been broadcasted or streamed yet, so unless you watch the games in person, we haven't seen the regulars in action yet. However, it's been told that Yoki Cespedes already has two home runs, and he's made some good defensive plays. For those on the bandwagon of hoping to see one of the White Sox top international players reach the majors in 2022. However... What we will be talking about in this episode is the remaining dominoes finally falling in free agency post-lockout. The destinations of Trevor Story, Kenley Jansen, and Carlos Correa have sent shockwaves across Major League Baseball. It might change how we view certain teams heading into 2022. Let's discuss how it impacts the White Sox. Joining me to have that chat is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com, it's Jim Margulis, and hello, Jim. A shocker of this offseason, 2.0 post-lockout edition. Carlos Correa, who is one of, if not the best shortstop in all of Major League Baseball, signed with the Minnesota Twins in one of the most Scott Boris contracts ever. Three years, $105.3 million. That includes an opt-out after each season. Let's talk first impressions. What do you make of Correa joining the Twins? I, as a baseball fan, I like it just because it's a big player, a star player to an unpredictable location, a location, a fan base, a market that might not have ever thought it was possible. So I think just expanding what's possible for teams that are trying, teams that maybe don't have the most, you know, the, the deepest pockets or uh, natural resources when it comes to just where they're sitting, but have some effort, have some uh, resourcefulness from within the front office. Being able to pull off something like this, pretty cool. When it comes to the White Sox in the Central, it's you know obviously not what you want, or you'd rather have him go elsewhere, preferably to you know any of the uh, 25 other teams outside the division if they're not the White Sox. But 
I don't think it's that big of a deal just because, or I should say, I don't think it's that big of a deal yet. Just because the pitching is really thin, the outfield corners are really thin, the infield corners are a little bit dicey with Gio Urshela and Miguel Sano on the corners. Both of them have had trouble staying healthy. Both might have peaked already or just their, their peaks might be fast and furious and most of the season they're not much of a factor. So it, it seems like the roster isn't quite complete it's a nice way to redirect Josh Donaldson's resources to something a little bit more useful and dynamic. You know, somebody who is is, is a better bet to stay healthy and can offer a little bit more uh, up mm-hmm. the middle because the Twins have a lot of guys who are trying to fight their way off DH, whether it's uh, Miguel Sano or Trevor Larnick, so that if, you know, if Donaldson gets hurt and is compromised and can't play full defensive capacities, um, he adds to that problem. So it's a nice way to redirect those resources. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, the, the two opt-outs... It means in order for the Crea signing to maximize the Twins' chances or for everybody to get the most out of this relationship, they have to hit it right the first time. Like, Crea has to be healthy, and the rest of the Twins have to be good enough to make the postseason. And it seems like that's, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, I don't want to throw out, you know, odds that I think are accurate because I've done the math. There's probably a way to do it mathematically, but it seems like one in eight odds or something like that to get it right you know, kind of a, 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 a roll of the dice. And that seems not likely. And so that's, that's why I don't think it's that much of a threat net yet. Now, if they get like Frankie Montas or Sean Manaya, maybe add to their rotation a little bit with somebody more proven than Dylan Bundy as their, uh, you know, veteran options, I can buy it a little bit more, but even then it's still, still kind of a, a slog for the twins to get there, but still pretty neat. I think just as a, a general baseball fan seeing a player go where he's not supposed to. The Twins also did acquire Sonny Gray. Yeah, but I mean, like behind Sonny Gray, I should say, like Gray's good, but he's mm-hmm. also like topped out at 175 innings. He's not like a, the classic horse. So I think it's going to take two Sonny Gray types in order for them to, mm-hmm. you know, have the kind of depth that they had with Barrios and Maeda before. So Correa, again, this is the most Scott Boris contract ever with the two opt outs. He's going to be paid $35.1 million per season. In 2022, it's been reported that he'll be the highest paid position player in Major League Baseball, making $100,000 more than Anthony Rendon for the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, just scraping by. And it sounds like from even further reporting of Ken Rosenthal, and we'll get to the other half of that Rosenthal report, is that Scott Boris was trying to get the interest of the Atlanta Braves to sign Carlos Correa. However, the Braves are still happy with Dansby Swanson, who is entering the last year of his contract. But that's already one logical, I guess, or already teased destination that after 2022, Correa could opt out and then get his 10-year contract, possibly with the Atlanta Braves, in which the Atlanta Braves have not been shy whatsoever spending money this offseason and they will have to continue spending money if they want to keep up in the arms race with their rival New York Mets in the National League East but as you mentioned Jim where the twins stand after acquiring Carlos Correa so back to this conversation we had in the last podcast regarding where the White Sox stack stack up within the American League and the Fangraph step chart projections had a update with the free agent acquisitions and trades. And in the American League right now, this updated list is the Yankees, 
are still the number one team on paper. They have a cumulative 54.4 team war heading to 2022. That's a projected team war total. The Houston Astros now not getting Carlos Correa to return are sitting at a team total war of 48. They're slightly ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays who are third in the American League on paper at 47.7 war. A half war difference is the Chicago White Sox who are fourth. The Boston Red Sox have now jumped into fifth with the signing of Trevor Story. And we'll talk about that signing in a moment. And six would be the Tampa Bay Rays at 44.6. So the Yankees have a pretty big difference right now between them and the Houston Astros. But between the Rays and the Astros, the other five teams really clumped up together in the American League, at least on paper. After the Twins signed Correa, they now bump up eighth in the American League on paper to 40.5 mm-hmm. war team total. Uh, 2.4 war behind the Angels, who are 7th, and then ahead of the Seattle Mariners, who are ninth in the projected team war total. These three teams would be trying to chase down the Tampa Bay Rays for that sixth playoff spot. You mentioned Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya. Both are projected to be three war pitchers in 2022. So if the White Sox were to acquire Manaya, for example, then they would leap the Blue Jays and Astros and be the clear number two team in the American League behind the New York Yankees. And again, this is on paper. We get it. Games are not played on paper unless it's fantasy baseball or your Roto Leagues. However, when it comes to roster construction and how Major League Baseball front offices build their teams in the offseason, this is how they look at their roster and compare it to the rest of Major League Baseball. Again, if the White Sox could swing that trade from Anaya, that's awesome. But as you mentioned, Jim, if the Minnesota Twins can pull off either or maybe both because they have been reported for a while to be hunting to get a deal done for Montas or Manaya. Well, then they inch closer to the Rays and they would move up in that seventh spot and at least be in the conversation of who are the playoff contenders in the American League. If they were to acquire both Manaya and Montas, well, then on paper, that puts them a half win behind the White Sox. And now we have a serious battle for the American League Central. And what has changed is what was once thought a cakewalk for the White Sox this year in the American League Central, something I thought of last week, now isn't so much. Mm-hmm. If the Twins don't acquire Manaya Montas, you are right, Jim. They are still on paper too far behind the White Sox. And there's a lot of questions. They will be tough. They will be a tough opponent in games. I don't think the White Sox are going 15-4 and four against the Twins in 2022, even though that would be awesome. But in my opinion, looking at this from a Twins perspective, you can't be done. I think they got to go all in, Jim. You've gone this far. You got to make it worthwhile because I think it's incredibly likely, likely Correa is opting out of that contract. Mm-hmm. I think they got to go all in and get both. I think they got to get both Matas and Minaya in order for this to work. And if they don't, Correa is going to help sell tickets, but they still might be an 81-81 team in, in 2022. Yeah, looking at uh, the projections on Fangraphs, I was 
kind of close. Instead of one in eight, it's one in five, roughly. 19.3% chance to win the division. 37.7% chance to make the expanded postseason now. So there's that. You know, that's something that uh, is greatly improved just because there isn't much of a middle class in the American League. There's, you know, haves, have-nots, and then like the... Yeah, like the Tigers, Royals are trying to claw their way up. The Angels are trying to maintain it. Yeah, the Mariners are up. But like basically the Mariners and the Twins right now are the only ones who feel like they're bolstering their position in that middle class of the American League. Everybody else is either trying to get there or slipping away, basically. I guess we'll see what the Angels are just because they tend to just kind of flame out in really weird ways. But <laughs> That is true. One, one thing is... Yeah, one, one thing that's weird, though, or I was thinking about the Twins, is I wonder if they regret the Jose Barrios trade. Because Brios on this roster would basically be perfect. And I know they got uh, Woods Richardson and they got Austin Martin and they like what it did for their farm depth. But had they known uh, that they would have Correa for one year and they would have Brios, who has been everything they wanted him to be as a pitcher, and you know they'd still have the capital to get Sonny Gray and they'd still have the capital to get whoever they, else they want in the rotation. I, I wonder if they you know look at the postseason odds and say, like, oh, that's... You know, it's nice to have those two prospects, but we, our farm system isn't bad already. Mm-hmm. So maybe Brios would have done more to maximize this weird contract we found ourselves into. I think that's a really good point, Jim, because if they kept Jose Brios, I mean, that takes four war off of the Blue Jays. And now the Blue Jays go from, on paper, being the third best team in the American League heading into the 2022 season. And perhaps a second place finisher in the American league East behind the New York Yankees to towards someone that's going to have to compete for that sixth spot in the expanded postseason, And they would have to compete with the Minnesota twins because they still have Braos. I, I think you bring up a good point that after all they've done, and now I wonder if they take what they got in return for Jose Braos and try to swing those prospects over to Oakland for like even a bigger blockbuster because the savings that they got from the New York Yankees, they turned around and gave a big chunk of that to Carlos Correa. So they've already (laughs) taken, taking from one trade and apply it to another acquisition. Why not try to take what you got from Brios and send it to Oakland? Yeah, like a Brios with like an extra year of control would be their idea. Yeah, because if you can get both Montas and Minaya, and all of a sudden we became a Minnesota Twins podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but if if you were to get both in that situation, Minaya's a free agent, he'll leave. Mm-hmm. But I believe Gray's got an ex- another year after this season. So at least you have Montas and Gray to lead the rotation going to 2023. And with the hopes of Kenta Maeda coming back, from Tommy John surgery. That's not a bad front three to lead a starting rotation. So it would be a move that would help you re- be in the conversation of a postseason contender in 2022 and 2023. I, it just, it is fascinating because the more I think about this and now that you bring up Jose Barreos, I am still a little baffled and I wonder what has just influenced the change of thinking for the twins. Like I get the Byron Buxton contract to a point, you know, seven years, hundred million dollar contract, however, could increase if he could stay healthy and depending on how well he does in MVP voting, he'll make more money that he has been 
long thought of to be the next face of the Minnesota Twins, but an incredibly talented baseball player that just can't stay healthy. He's got $100 million guaranteed with the Twins. He will get cash set for life, and the Twins still get an opportunity to see if they have this budding superstar, if he could play 150 games, uh, reach that total in a season, and stay healthy and stay on the field. Because we know how dangerous Byron Buxton could be, especially against the White Sox, when he is on the field. But this sudden change of course in direction, like when they made that trade with the Yankees, I just figured, okay, you're content being in the bottom of the American League Central. You'll regroup after 2022, gain another high draft pick, and make a charge in 2023. But after you sign Carlos Correa, mm-hmm. you're right. You got to make this work because even though on paper it's three years, $105.1 million, in my opinion, this is a one-year, $35.1 million contract. You're going to have Correa in a Twins uniform for just 2022. So if you want to make the most of it, and if you want to make it into the postseason and try to win your first postseason game, not series, game, since 2004, mm-hmm. You got more work to do. Yeah, it's, uh, I like the way you phrase it. Like, uh, basically, you know, the way you talk about, like, say, a Luis Robert contract extension where it's, you know, five years, but under team control for eight or something like that, where it's, they talk about the guaranteed money, but then there are club options at the end that make it a lot more lucrative, but also like a lot more beneficial to the team. In this case, yeah, if you were phrasing it from, the player standpoint would be like one year with two player options. Like, so that's kind of how it works. Like the opt-out is basically a player option mm-hmm. in, in that regard. So that's, um, it, it does weigh itself to the player, but steering it back to the White Sox, because <laughs> this is a White Sox <laughs> podcast ostensibly. Yeah. I wrote about this on Sunday, just saying like, this contract is basically like there, you know, there is no such good thing as a team friendly opt-out like me, you know, in, in, in practice, or like I should say in theory, like the, by definition, like the opt-out, like the, the team has no leverage. It has no control. If the situation is bad for the team, it's, you know, the player will exercise it. So theoretically, there is no way that a team benefits by giving an opt-out. However, I would say in this case where it is, you know, you're, you're already spending Josh Donaldson money. You're already a team that's on the outside looking into the playoff picture, but has enough, you know, recently proven itself to be a postseason team with a lot of the same guys there. And you have some upside that you think might not be captured, but with both Buxton on one end and then like Bailey over and Joe Ryan on the other who don't project well for various reasons, but might be serviceable. It, it makes sense to just kind of spin those resources into a player and, and just see, you know, if lightning is caught in a bottle, like throughout the roster, you may as well have one guy that can, they can ride, you know, it's one thing to have these surprising performances, but if you don't have like a, a talent like Crea and Buxton, like I should say talents, that kind of core talent that, you know, those surprising performances can coalesce around and, and go to the postseason that way, then, you know, trading for a guy like Ryan and having a story like Ober really doesn't matter too much. Like it matters for me for future seasons, but for the immediate utility, when you are already hoping to get something out of those players team-wise, uh, it, it makes sense to have, you know, Correa there. And if it doesn't work out, like if it just, you know, I should say if it doesn't work out for the Twins, if Correa plays well and it doesn't mean anything team-wise, oh, well. 
you know, he moves on. You weren't banking on him anyway. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a fling almost like, so like, Hey, let's give it a shot. Uh, Oh, it didn't work. Or this was, you know, never going to be a long-term thing, but it was fun. Uh, that seems like totally the White Sox speed for a contract like this. You know, like the one way that Reinsdorf might spend a hundred million dollars in a free agent contract is if it's something where a player can get out of it pretty easily. Like a player can get out of it by being himself, which is what this deal is. Like if Carlos Correa is himself, he will only be there for one year. And for a team like the White Sox, that makes sense just because like everybody they add now is not a core player, you know, theoretically, like they don't need core players. They have their core. They just need uh, insulation from having that sketchy triple a depth that they don't really have uh, wing. Yeah. I, I guess being too big of a part of the scale when it comes to what they try to accomplish in 2022. So if they have like, you know, we'll just keep bringing up Michael Conforto because he's like the one guy left. But say if they like, this could have applied to Trevor Story too. Let's say him, if he were somehow still available. You know, if Trevor Story or Michael Conforto wanted to sign for like the Carlos Rodon deal, two years and 44 million with an opt out at the first year, like what's stopping the White Sox from doing that? Like if he opts out, great, fine. He wasn't a part of the plan anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just You just got a good player for pretty cheap. And if that player you know capitalizes on his make good, uh, then cool. That means it benefited the White Sox. So it is, it's not quite a, a, you know, a win for the White Sox because, you know, that player ultimately wins more by getting to access the market, but it's like a win-win basically because the White Sox were hoping for the outcome where that player was good enough to immediately, uh, have a big impact on that immediate team. So that's, that's, I think looking at this deal, I would hope that the White Sox or Rick Hahn can take some inspiration now that the his path towards building a contender with extensions has basically dried up. Like there is, he's, he's basically tapped out that well of extensions and cost certainty. And we're seeing the diminishing returns from that as guys like Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert uh, and Yohan Makata get more expensive. There isn't the great savings there that there used to be during the Chris Sale days. But if he's looking uh, for another way to be clever uh, and, and maybe uh, have some money on the books that, you know, is cheaper than it seems, uh, this might be one way to do it. Really good points, Jim. So after this signing, where do you rank the American League Central teams at the moment? I, I think we both agree the White Sox are still the clear favorite to win the AL Central. Does this signing to Correa put the Twins second behind the White Sox in the AL Central for you? Or do you still like the Tigers, Royals, or Guardians more? I think this does put the Twins in second just because, you know, the, the Guardians, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't. They're, they're baffling me. Uh, there were the rumors that Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, the, the Blue Jays were asking about him. And uh, I, I would have thought that if somehow the uh, Guardians acquired Matt Olson, that might have been something that, that gave me pause and thought, oh, that's kind of clever. <laughs> that's a, you know, you have Matt Olson, you have uh, Fran Mil Reyes, you have um, you know, Ramirez, and then you have some bats that could theoretically break out, and then you have a rotation that's always dangerous. Like, that's an interesting team. And, and it could be a decent defensive team, too, with Olson being a gold glover. To where, like, oh, that'd been something. Like, I was nervous when I saw that Cleveland was tied to Olson, but once he went to the Braves, I'm thinking, like, okay, I don't have any ideas for the Guardians now. Like they're not going to be bad because I think their pitching depth is too good. They can they they can be tough a series at a time, but when it comes to just how many roster spots are taking on water there or are unremarkable, that's a team I just don't see having the kind of momentum to get far past 500. And then Tigers and Royals, I think Tigers will be interesting. I think in the second half, 
just because of you know, it, you know what happens with Torkelson and Green, and and whether they you know are fully integrated and 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 are making adjustments and are dangerous. But I think right now their offense is still a bit too unimpressive. And I think Javier Baez, although he upgrades the shortstop dramatically, shortstop was so bad for the Tigers last year that I don't think his upgrade can truly be felt in practices is on paper. Just like when you talk about the White Sox DH spots and how awful it was that like, even if you add like a, a, a two win DH, that's not like a six win upgrade. Like I think there's a, there's a point where like a uh, performance hits bottom and no matter how, like once you get, I think two wins below replacement, like it, it doesn't matter. It's all bad. Like there's, there's no, there, there's, there's no redeeming value whatsoever aside <laughs> from a random game. And so, yeah, if you get like a one win, you know, DH is still yeah. below average. It's like, okay, your three wins better, but that's still bad. And I think that's kind of the same thing with uh, Baez, just with his gaps in his game offensively. He's going to improve them, but I think maybe not as much as wins above replacement say, just because shortstop was that bad for the Tigers. And so I think it's going to take them a bit longer to coalesce as a team because I think they're going to need more offensive depth to really make a signing like him pay off. I agree with you. I have the Twins now as the second best team in the American League Central. I would go Twins, Tigers, Royals, Guardians. Right now, I think the Guardians, Tigers, and Royals are like on a third tier. I would put yeah, tier one White Sox, tier two Twins, and then uh, the Royals. I really like that Zach Greinke signing. Like I thought that was the perfect signing for them, just because they have mm-hmm. six or seven guys for five rotation spots, but none of them are you know, great bets. I guess Brady Singer is probably the best bet to hold one down. You know, Carlos Hernandez was really impressive against the White Sox, uh, less so elsewhere, but like they have some guys who can, uh, you know, throw quality starts and be decent. Uh, but I think they needed that, that, you know, either frontline starter or clear veteran, you know, that who can offer value. And I think Granke is the perfect guy for that for, especially for the terms. Like uh, it's hard for the Royals to find somebody who can offer that kind of impact because they're just, not ready to spend yet. And, uh, you know, a player might not be ready to go there yet if they feel like they're still a year away. But Granky, given that he all he's accomplished, I think he's happy to go there for a year. The Royals offensively are going to be dangerous. They are going to be a headache for the White Sox. I really like what they can do offensively with that lineup. The blend of Young and the veteran guys with Merrifield and Salvador Perez, who led the league in what RBIs uh, last year. And I think he did lead the league at home runs. I'm trying to go based off memory here without looking at fan graphs. I'm getting lazy. Yeah. But I, I think the world of Bobby Witt Jr. And I think Bobby Witt Jr. is also going to be a special talent for the Kansas City Royals. You know, we talk about Michael Conforto, and he's still a free agent as we are recording this. And it is very quiet it's with his market. I, I don't know who's, who's, who is in the lead. I don't know who's speaking to Conforto now. There's not much being reported for Michael Conforto. But there's a part of me that wants to believe with all the weirdness that we have seen in this offseason that I could see Cleveland, of all teams, signing Michael Conforto. Mm-hmm. And maybe that changes the conversation a little bit. If you would put the Guardians in the second tier with the Twins just because of how strong their starting pitching staff is. But I've got no clue on how Cleveland is going to score four runs a game in this upcoming season. Uh, Jose Ramirez is going to have to have two or three RBIs uh, a game in order for them just to get four or five runs on the board. So I, I agree with you, Jim. 
White Sox are tier one, and I would put the White Sox in tier one in the American League, and they're tier one in the Major League Baseball as well. I still feel like they are a top five, top six team in all of Major League Baseball. And then the Twins, and then, yeah, you're tier three with the Tigers, Royals, and Guardians, and leaving myself to be surprised by the Tigers or Royals this year because of the youth that is coming in and the moves that uh, both teams have made, especially the Tigers pre-lockout. But I, I agree with you. If they don't sign or they don't make a trade for another starting pitcher, there's nothing to sweat right now for a White Sox fan, even though the Twins have made a big move in getting Carlos Correa. We have more to discuss as we're going to take a quick moment for a word from our sponsors. But coming up next, the Boston Red Sox add Trevor Story in the Atlanta Braves had interest in Craig Kimbrell before signing Kenley Jansen. We'll talk about what that means next on the Sox Machine Podcast. All right, so we've seen the big free agent signing dominoes fall and looking at the World Series odds, the Los Angeles Dodgers still have the best odds of winning the World Series, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. They're five to one. The Yankees are second at nine to one, and the Chicago White Sox are currently twelve to one. So I threw ten bucks on the White Sox using the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and if the White Sox win the World Series in two thousand and twenty-two, I'll win hundred and twenty dollars. Nice steak dinner there to celebrate a White Sox championship. And you too can place bets at the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook as it's officially live with mobile sports betting registration back in Illinois. And also just in time to get in on all the crazy action during March Madness. I don't know how your bracket is doing. My bracket has been busted. But I do have to say I have found some success with live bets. And thanks to the underdogs keep winning, so have I. And right now, new customers can bet $5 on any tourney team to win their game, and you get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Just sign up wherever you are, as long as you are in the state of Illinois, and bet from anywhere from the palm of your hand. Head to the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and features, including same-game parlays. It's safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SOCKSMACHINE. Bet $5 on any college basketball team to win and get $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code SOCKSMACHINE this week at the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 years and older. Illinois only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. So more moves that have been made recently in Major League Baseball in this offseason 2.0 post-lockout edition. Former Los Angeles Dodgers closer Kenley Jansen signed with the Atlanta Braves for one year, $16 million. And that is interesting and of note because that's how much money Craig Kimbrell is scheduled to make in 2022. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic reported that the Atlanta Braves called the White Sox in regards of a trade for Craig Kimbrell before signing Kenley Jansen. And now with Jansen off the board and obviously Kimbrell still with the White Sox, what do you make of that news, Jim, that a team like the Atlanta Braves had interest in Craig Kimbrell but ultimately decided to sign Kenley Jansen? I think it makes sense. The presence of... Jansen and just the unimpressive market he had made me think like, oh, there can't be that much of a market for Kimbrel. Like if there's a player out there, you know, who just, you know, once Iglesias signed and like nobody bit really on Jansen, I thought, well, yeah, I guess there isn't that really a thirsty closer market. So if you're looking for a guy like Kimbrel, like, and you're not, you know, all that impressed or in need of somebody who's racked up a lot of saves in his life, then what does he offer for that money? Like, yeah, it's, it's okay. You know, like he can theoretically bounce back and be like a very good reliever in terms of actually offering anything. Like why wouldn't you just pay money in a second round draft pick given that, you know, what you've said about this year's draft uh, might not be all that valuable this year. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm taking away is that the Braves called the white Sox about Kimbrell. And it was, I think in my perspective, I would make that phone call first to see how much money the White Sox would be willing to eat mm-hmm. in a deal for Craig Kimbrell because it's a one-year contract. I'm not sending you over one of my top-notch prospects in such a deal. If I could send you a double-A starting pitcher in exchange for Craig Kimbrell and you eat $4 million and I only have to pay Kimbrell $12 million, all right, I'm going to go in that direction because I saved $4 million in that direction. Mm-hmm. However, if the White Sox are not interested in eating any of Kimbrell's contract in a potential trade, then you're right. Then you just pivot and you just go sign Kenley Jansen. Cause then you don't have to trade any of your prospects. It's just cash. Like that's how I would view the operations. And I'm assuming that's how the operations went or the thinking behind the Atlanta Braves. But now the Dodgers don't have Kenley Jansen. So do you think this opens up the possibility of a potential swap between the White Sox or Dodgers? Or do you think that there's really no market for Craig Kimbrell? I'm skeptical on the market. Like basically I would think that the deal would basically be something like the White Sox paying a team $8 million for Kimbrell to play somebody else. That's kind of how I feel like uh, what the market is telling them. And so they'd rather say, well, that's kind of embarrassing. You know, if we picked up his option just to 
have to pay half of it to another, you know, that he might bounce back for another team while we get some, you know, low A arm. Like if, if teams are really just testing the White Sox desperation and get out from under the contract and free up any money towards 2022 and just are offering very little and the White Sox are saying, well, I just rather keep him at that point, even if that might not be the best decision. Like even if it is might, you know, might be better to have uh, six million extra dollars to put towards somebody who might help the White Sox lineup be a bit a little bit deeper and a little bit more effective against right-handed pitching. Like that might be more important, but it is embarrassing. You know, if you pick up Craig Kimbrell's option and then the only thing you get out of it is paying somebody else to take most of it or more than half of it. That's about, that's uh. there is a lot of egg on face there to where like, if you have, you know, if your pride gets in the way, uh, you might just think, well, I'll just keep him. And that way, if he bounces back, uh, we'll benefit from it. Even if, you know, at this point with signing Joe Kelly and signing Kendall Graveman and uh, you know, putting all your off-season capital in the reliever basket already, uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What do you make of the National League East now? Because another big signing was that the Philadelphia Phillies signing Nicholas Castellanos to a five-year, $100 million contract. And the Phillies are just going to be determined. Defense be damned uh, because they added Kyle Schwarber as well. So now they've they got some big bats in that lineup. Uh, Castiano, Schwarber, obviously the 2021 National League MVP, Bryce Harper, and then JT Real Muto. They've got some big boppers in that lineup. And the Atlanta Braves have been very busy trying to keep up with the New York Mets. And we saw on how busy the Mets were pre-lockout with all the additions that they have made. What, how do you think of the National League East will will fare out or shake out in 2022? Well, the Phillies are really, that's a Dave Dombrowski team right there. Just all the bats. <laughs> uh, random veteran, good for you. Uh, can it can uh, you provide 30 homers, not sure where he fits. Sign him anyway, we'll figure it out. Uh, that's what you have a manager for. <laughs> that's what we did with the Tigers. Uh, you know, with the, um, you know, Cabrera, Victor Martinez, Prince Fielder years. And, and, uh, that's, uh, what he's doing right now with just their DH, uh, corner outfield situation that they have going on, but they're pretty volatile. I think the Phillies are <laughs> just because they have the bats, but they also have some, you know, some, some, you know, areas like I'm thinking like, you know, third base with Alec, uh, bomb, who's been really, um, you know, disappointing. So shaky. Yeah. And like, you know, Didi Gregorius was a disappointing sign. Like they have some gaps. Like it does seem like that kind of, uh, uh, studs and duds lineup to where, you know, they, 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 I think they're, they're doubling down on proven bats, no matter their defensive ability, just because they have some spots in the roster that just might not show up. But when you look at that lineup and seeing like, you know, just all the home run power they have with Schwarber and, and it's funny when you look at their depth chart, they have, you know, just when you look at DH, it's like Schwarber and Castellanos. And then you have like left field Schwarber and Castellanos and just like, yeah, just uh, <laughs> it's uh, just be rotating between those two guys. But it's an interesting kind of it's an entertaining kind of signing. Like that's a that's a if I were a Phillies blogger, I think I'd be happy with just the runs and gifs that might be. uh <laughs> possible from this team producing like just with uh, what they provide in the field. But yeah, the, the, the Mets I think are going to be, well, I think the Braves are sturdy. Like I think it's just a sturdy leadership structure. They have like a, you know, clubhouse. They know what they're getting. They just won the world series. They, you know, I think, I think Freddie Freeman, you know, moving on from Freddie Freeman is awkward and weird. And, uh, uh, but you having Matt Olson there, uh, for the deal they signed him for pretty mm-hmm. nice backup plan. 
So I like what they have to offer, and I feel good about them. Uh, I just don't know what the Mets like. They're still... They have a lot of star power, but they've been weird. Like they tried to do it last year with Lindor and, you know, uh, and he got into fights with like McNeil and they still had some injury issues. They had all those front office issues, you know, with uh, just uh, various um, HR disasters in the front office. So like, I don't trust Sandy Alderson just as a, you know, a Sandy Alderson run operation that they're going to be smooth and, and, and not have unnecessary drama. So uh, and I think the Phillies are kind of the same way, just with the way they've built a team. Like, they're built for chaos as well. So I think the Braves are still cut above each of the other two just because they have some extracurricular activities that tend to get in the way of just a, a fully functional operation. Uh, the Phillies kind of remind me of the National League Angels. <laughs> like a manager they got to get there, but just their pitching falls apart in spectacular ways. The offense has some transcendent talents and then nothing around it or the, the plans around it falter and the young players don't quite get there. So that's what they kind of remind me of. And the angels, I think have to prove it by now. And the Phillies are kind of the same way that they have to prove they're better than like 83 wins. Yeah. And the national league itself, like it's clearly the Dodgers. Number one, clearly the Dodgers. I like the Braves as number two in the National League. And I'm looking at fan graphs of the projected records right now. They got the Mets at 90 and 72, and they got the Phillies at 88 and 74. So the fan graphs is projecting a very close three-team race in the National League East. We often overlook what's going on in the National League Central. The Milwaukee Brewers are kind of the same boat as the Chicago White Sox. Uh, projected to win 88 games and win the division by six plus games with the St. Louis Cardinals at 82 and 80. And the Cardinals have not made a lot of noise this off season. And they've uh, lost pitchers. They've lost pitchers. And yeah, with Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty now out for uh, an unknown amount of time heading into 2022. So the Cardinals could have a slow start. And in the National League West, I mean, the loss of Fernando Tatis Jr. for for months is going to have a significant impact on that Padres team. And we'll see in how they deal with it. The Giants, there's just no way. I Maybe I'll eat crow for this, but there's no way this Giants team wins 107 games in, in 2022. And Fangraphs has projected a 23-game drop-off in wins. From 107 to 2021 to 84 in 2022, their starting rotation is boom or bust uh, with the high risk, high reward type of setup that they have. Very talented arms, but all of these guys have a lengthy injury track list, uh, track record uh, heading into 2022. So that's why it's pretty risky on the Giants front. Uh, So the National League is going to be quite interesting heading into the 2022 season. And that leads us back into the American League. So looking, you know, zooming out from the American League Central and looking at the league as a whole, Trevor Story. Now, his market for a while has been confusing. Supposed to be traded last year before the deadline. Doesn't get traded. Not a lot of rumors surrounding Story pre-lockout of where he could go. And then post-lockout, he signs a contract that is similar to the one that Javi Baez signed with the Detroit Tigers, six years, $140 million. But now he's going to the Boston Red Sox. He's playing second base. And in case of Xander Bogart decides to opt out of his contract after this upcoming season, 
the Red Sox look at Trevor's story as their backup plan, willing to move him back over to shortstop if Bogarts decides to test free agency after 2022. What do you make of Trevor's story signing with the Boston Red Sox, Jim? I'm glad the Tigers didn't wait is my first thought. Because I think the Tigers with story, I think are a bit scarier than the Tigers with Baez. Like I think story does more to lift an offense himself than Baez does. And defensively, they're pretty close as well. You like story more than Baez. As like a fixture shortstop, like to build an infield around, I think I like him better. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Which... If you're a Cubs fan listening to this podcast, you're going to be screaming at us in about five seconds because you will completely disagree with that notion. But I, I view this as a sneaky, really good signing by the Boston Red Sox because logically it does make sense. And for Bloom to give himself that extra insulation, as you brought up earlier in the show, that we got story now playing second base. Our infield has story and Bogarts and Rafael Devers at third base. We're in good shape here infield wise. And our offense was pretty good last year. We made it to the American league championship series. I think this could be a sneaky, really good move for the Boston Red Sox by landing story. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. And, you know, it's the kind of move where, you know, it, it's kind of like the, you know, well, every all roads lead back to Michael Conforto discussion when it comes to the White Sox right now. But what, you know, what story adds to the Red Sox is similar to what Conforto would add to the White Sox. And that just, it's makes them a little bit deeper, a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more, a little bit more cushion in the event that, you know, one or two position player situations go wrong um that's really what you're looking for in a signing at this juncture of the, the obviously you're not looking for like something that really completes a winter or like you know you know i think like that's what the rockies are doing with chris bryant like that's something where they're trying to drastically change their near-term future with this you know with a random signing they weren't banking on uh and have no plan for it to maximize that signing and, and that makes no sense But in this case, like when you have all the elements in place to get to the postseason, except for maybe like pitching with Chris Sale having that injury, they're a little bit thinner than they want to be pitching wise. But position player wise, they have what they need. But like, as you mentioned, Bogarts being, you know, that he can test the market, perhaps like this takes, uh, you know, it takes some of the jeopardy out of their 2022 plans and also makes they've gotten a head start on shopping for 2023 basically it's like you know basically uh mm-hmm. taking post-holiday sales and say like i'm gonna do my christmas shopping for next year uh this year i'm gonna, <laughs> gonna look at the uh uh just the you know the email rush that i get for you know people wanting to spend gift cards and knock out a christmas gift that's what they basically did with story i think with this uh, uh with this contract and you know the important thing i think was having story being amenable to playing second and not taking it as a, a blow. And I think when you have, you know, six years, 140 million, like he's getting paid market value. So I guess that makes it easier to play second base because you're not looking, it's not like he's taking a one-year contract and playing second base and, you know, having the Marcus Semyon situation where he hopes somebody sees he as a shortstop at the end of it or value second baseman more like he's comfortably paid. So it makes the moving over, a little bit of it, yeah, uh, less of an ego hits. And then sure enough, you know, like there might be a job available for him after all. So it's nothing but value to the Red Sox in terms of, you know, lineup depth and defensive versatility. And 
making their future plans a little bit more shiftable. And, uh, you know, when we talk about Michael Conforto, it's the same thing. Like he doesn't complete any plans. The White Sox are fine without him, but he's uh, protection against more things going wrong. He makes them more dangerous. People look at, you know, like I'm looking at the AL East reactions. They're saying like, oh, crap. That's what I want to see the White Sox do with Michael Conforto. Just mm-hmm. I want to see the Twins be on a high with Carlos Correa and then like see them the you know, White Sox sign Michael Conforto and say like, oh, I was hoping they wouldn't do that. Like that's that's really, I think, the idea here. And that's why I keep bringing him up just because it is that kind of move. He's available and until he signs a contract that, you know, the White Sox wouldn't do, I guess you have to make Boris and Conforto prove that they can get that contract that the White Sox shouldn't do. We'll just follow the suit of the other Boris contracts right now. Yeah. Do the, I wouldn't pay him $35.1 million, but do the Carlos Correa contract with Conforto. Or the Carlos Rodon contract. There you go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. One year with a player option. Not not two years with a uh, opt-out. One year with a player option. Like, look at it that way. Yes. Yes, I still agree with you on that. And that's why when it comes to our upcoming 2022 season previews, the outfielders are going to be last. (laughs) Just in case (laughs) if the White Sox do add Michael Conforto, uh, we'll want to save that preview episode uh, just for that possibility. But for future episodes of the Sox Machine Podcast, we are now going to pivot to our season previews. We're going to start with the infielders first, and then we'll go into the starting pitching and relievers, and then we'll finish up with the outfielders, just in case if Michael Conforto does sign with the White Sox. But before we sign off on this episode, Jim, just looking at the entire offseason market, you know, it's been really odd, obviously, with the almost 100-day lockout in Major League Baseball. Two mad rushes, the pre-lockout and the post-lockout. And from my perspective, looking at the players themselves, I think if you told me on November 1st that Corey Seager was going to sign for the most years and most dollars, I would have been very surprised because Mm -hmm. I would have had questions regarding, okay, well, what kind of contract did Correa sign? Do you think that Seager benefited the most out of all the free agents that signed? Or are, is there another free agent that you think of or another team that benefited to be very active pre-lockout compared to the teams that have been active post-lockout? Yeah, I, I think when you look at how deep the shortstop class was, seeing that big of a gap between uh, you know, Seager and Semyon and then Story and Correa just in terms of guaranteed dollars and what they could command. So I, I think the Rangers, I'm wondering if they're rethinking their strategy a little bit just based on how they're, you know, they rushed in, some other teams rushed in, a lot of guys got paid, but there were some, you know, I think the Rangers might have made more sense had they signed Story or Correa and been like, well, you know, they're they're trying, they have the money, so why not spend it? Versus like mm-hmm. just, we're spending the money and they're not quite there. I think, you know, either way, they're in great shape. Like it's great to have Corey Seager. It's great to have Marcus Semien. So like that's, um, you know, it's just more of a matter of like, in, in terms of perception, in terms of like maybe efficiency of spending, they might have, it, it, I wonder if they replay the off season, if they would have been as happy with story or Korea, like if, especially Korea, like if they could have signed him from their uh, intrastate rival and been like, Oh, aha, this is, you know, we're still below you in the uh, mm-hmm. projected standings and in recent accomplishments, but you know, at least, you know, this is uh 
this is a shot across the bow a little bit. So I think they might be looking at their offseason saying, like, oh, maybe we rushed in, but uh, if they play as well as they possibly can, you know, I don't think they'll have regrets. It's just more of a matter of uh, the way these 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 contracts went to you know teams that can make the most out of them, like the Twins with one year on Korea and Story for four years uh, guaranteed or before the opt out, like. Uh, it worked out well for them for waiting. And, you know, maybe the Rangers uh, just uh, couldn't afford to wait because they weren't as attractive a situation for a one-year type deal. Yeah, I think Marcus Simeon did very well for himself because I don't think he gets 70 years post-lockout with the types of contracts we have seen the top free agents signed. It's just, again, it is a bit shocking when you look at the 2021 going to 2022 Major League Baseball offseason It's Corey Seager who signs the biggest contract. And we knew that he was going to sign a big contract, but he's the one that signs for 10 years where Carlos Correa essentially is signing a year-to-year type of contract over three years with the Minnesota Twins. And we're expecting him to opt out and try to go for that 10-year contract again next season in 2023. But that, that was the thing that jumped out to me is looking at how the markets have shaken out post-lockout is, you know, Corey Seager, he did really well for himself. Marcus Simeon did really well for himself. So bravo to the guys that were quick to sign pre-lockout. I, I think they they benefited the most because the post-lockout guys, yeah, it's it's great we're seeing all this chaos and You know, all these names are moving to destinations we were not expecting, but they're not getting the big contracts the guys pre-lockout were. And to me, that that is interesting in how the market has shaken out. And that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Who knows? Maybe Michael Conforto does sign with the Chicago White Sox before I head on vacation. And we'll have that emergency podcast as we have been waiting for months now (laughs) for this possibility Uh, but for the time being we are going to shift gears like i mentioned we'll start our season previews our next season our first season preview for the 2022 season will be with the infielders and we are going to be not just having a podcast for these season previews but we will also be having video as we'll be posting the videos of our recordings on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash socks machine. So if you haven't subscribed or follow our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com slash socks machine and subscribe to our channel. So you get those updates of the video versions of our 2022 season previews as we'll have graphics to help with the conversations, but Hey, I get it. If you like the podcast format, you'll still have the podcast waiting for you within your feed and you can subscribe to the socks machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as apple podcasts spotify and amazon music now if you are new to socks machine or you've been a long time lurker of socks machine think about signing up to becoming a patreon at patreon.com slash socks machine to help support us our patreon supporters they get more they get exclusive content they get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website and they get the first opportunity to purchase our Sox Machine swag. Last episode, Jim, we had four t-shirts left. Have we sold out? Uh, no, we still have uh, medium and large. A couple available, so. All right, there you go. So if you want any of our t-shirts right now, you can go to the Sox Machine store on our website, SoxMachine.com, 
and purchase those. But as we have new Sox Machine swag, and we will have new Sox Machine swag, our Patreon supporters are the first ones that get an opportunity to obtain that swag. So again, you can sign up at SoxMachine.com. Uh, sorry, you can sign up at Patreon.com slash SoxMachine with monthly plans starting at $2 a month and annual plans saving you 9%. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.